What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, the ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on all things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. What's up, everybody? This is Tyson Apostle. I'm your host of... The pod has spoken, and we are here to break down episode two of Survivor season 41 with my main man, my sidekick for the entire season, gets his own episode this week so that we can get to know the man, the myth, and the legend. Here is Riley McAtee. Riley, I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about you here. I went to your Instagram page to find out a little bit more about you. Oh, wow. <laughs> what I like. What I like to do is I like to just, uh, like I did with uh, Juliet last week, is I like to just read uh, your profile. Okay, let's see what you think you know about me. Well, I just read your profile. There's nothing on Instagram. You don't even have like anything about you. Nobody would know if, unless they know what your face looks like, if you are indeed the Riley McAtee. So then I went to Twitter. I'm not a big Instagram user. Okay, I'm a little bit more on Twitter. And here we go. I think this sums you up perfectly. Associate editor at the ringer slash Spotify. That's that is my job title. I hope that there's a little more to me than that. <laughs> but yeah, is there? Uh, I think so. Um, okay, go on. You're you do NFL stuff, right? I do mostly NFL stuff for the ringer. I work, work mostly on our written side on the website. I live here in Oakland, uh, which is where I went to school. I'm from Northern California. I'm from Sacramento. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Survivor and I have been my whole life. Okay. And you are, uh, you're young still, but you're already settled into your dream job. Yeah, I would say so. Incredible. Well, congratulations. You did it and let it, that be, uh, a hopeful existence for those young listeners out there who, I mean, I'm 42 and I don't even know if I know what my dream job even is, Riley. Maybe this is it. You don't think it's uh, being a pro survivor player? I feel like that would be a dream job. Well, I mean, after you've done it so many times, it starts to lose its luster a little bit. But uh, okay. it's still exciting, I guess. Uh, we don't want to keep the people waiting for what they came here for, which was uh, us to talk about what we watched on TV. And uh, episode two was chock full of survivor goodness. Uh one thing to start off the episode, we didn't get a previously on Survivor segment. Did you even take note of that? I well, I didn't even notice that. You know, I feel like I just am, am like so tuned in that I 
I have man, man, that's actually a really interesting observation. I did not notice your hyper focus. Yeah. Your hyper focus is was so great that you missed something. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you could can be say the it case that in way. Survivor. <laughs> sure, that's one way to put it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we'll just do one right now. Previously on Survivor, we lost Abraham and Sarah. We hardly knew ye. And now into the episode, it starts at Ua, the Green Tribe, right? Yep. And Brad does the mad dash, which we saw at the end of last episode. And uh, he uh, basically what happens is he sees, um, who was it? Who who walked away? It was JD and Ricard. Yeah, JD and Ricard, they walk to the well, which is always sus. Anytime you're like, hey, should we go get water? No, dude, do not go get water with anybody unless it's the entire tribe. Uh, and that's this going to get water is for sure the main place to strategize and everybody knows it. And so if you're left out of a walk to the well, that's bad news for you. And so uh, JD and Ricard go to get water. Brad feels a little threatened. So what he does is he gets up and sprints along the beach, wraps around. I have been on that beach and I have done that same exact run. And I have also beat the people to the well I wasn't there to listen. I was there to meet them. Uh, but, uh, and I thought that was smart of Brad, except for that he let everybody else at camp know that he was going to do it. And he scrambled. I would have nonchalantly walked down to the beach and then sprinted once I was out of sight of camp. But uh, I think he does a pretty good job hiding what he actually heard. I don't know. He kind of combined uh, the Tony like spy bunker strategy with like David's just anxiety and uh, like paranoia. Uh, and yeah, it's unclear to me exactly what he hears because obviously we get the whole conversation on TV. Correct. We can see what JD and Ricardo are talking about. Maybe not the whole conversation, but we get, you know, it's fully audible for us what they show us. Uh and the way he, Brad describes it in his confessionals, he's just like, well, I just heard a lot of them saying he. So that means they were talking about me. And it's like, yes. All right, dude. Uh, that Of course, they're going to talk about you. Like people are talking about other people on the island. This is Survivor. Right. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. So I think he probably did not hear much, but it does. I mean, you don't get invited to the well and then you go out there and then you hear that you are being talked about. Yeah, that is a little, a little suspect. Then he. Brad then sprints back to camp and lays down and gets his breath under control, which is a pro cycling tip uh, that I used to do is when I would be riding my bike uh, and somebody else would be, when I'd pass somebody like in training, I'd go up the hill, I would breathe only through my nose. So they thought I wasn't working hard at all, which was just like a little extra, you know, needle to them. Uh, so Brad does that same thing for different reasons, obviously, because he doesn't want to make it seem like he's been out doing something. And this action puts Shan on high alert. And I think it probably should because it shows Brad is playing and willing to be sneaky. But also he's doing it so openly that it's almost non-threatening. So I have a question to you about this more from a behind yes. the scenes standpoint. The shots of Brad where he's in the bushes, are those staged after the fact, basically, like they tell Brad, hey, go go into this bush and we'll just shoot these shots and then we'll kind of splice them in with what's happening. Because otherwise, wouldn't JD and Ricard be at the water well and there would be this camera just pointing directly into the bushes where Brad is and kind of give the whole game away? 
Um, usually the camera guys are pretty good about that. I've never had something staged that much where they need their B roll with somebody like that. Uh, but it's not to say it couldn't happen, but I think that they probably had a little bit of time before the other guys got to the well and the other guys that were going to the well production already knew that. So production was there waiting for them would have been anyways. So it's for me, it's not unbelievable that they caught that all in one, in one shot. And, uh, and so I could see, you know, both, but I think, uh, I think they probably did maybe, uh, no, but also Brad could have gone back multiple times and they had multiple clips of him doing that. And then they could have spliced that in as well, which is probably more likely the case. Can you imagine trying to direct Brad in an acting, you know, (laughs) in a reenactment of what he did on the show? I don't think that that is going to work out. It shouldn't be that hard. They're just like, Hey, go, go into this bush and look around. We're talking about Brad, the rancher from Wyoming, right? All right. All right. Yeah, it's a fair point. <laughs> I mean, even me, when they're like, hey, can you repeat that statement? We didn't get it clearly. I'm like, I can, but it's going to be robotic this time. So I think that they probably got it all. Uh, so, yeah, so that kind of sets that tribe on alert a little bit and a little sus of Brad because they're feeling like he should feel comfortable. But if he's like doing all this stuff and then he's not feeling comfortable, you know, that's a good read. Uh, we go to... Luvu Luvu from there, the blue tribe. And Deshaun is uh, trying his best to make fire with Flint and Still. Riley, I've got some insider info for you. Okay. Flint and Still makes making fire very, very easy. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't. Very easy. You wouldn't know that from watching Survivor. Well, because everybody wants to try because they think that if they get to Final Four, they need to know a little bit. So then, and you, if you know how to make fire, you have to let those people try. And that's what Nasir was doing there. He was watching Deshaun try and try and try, and he didn't want to seem overbearing. Great play by Nasir to get that read and to, you know, let Deshaun have his fun and let other people try to make fire. But then when he was hungry and ready for fire, he was like, let me try. And he gets it immediately because of his background growing up in Sri Lanka and uh, living without a lot of uh, modern, what we consider modern day necessities. He had no power, uh, no water, etc. So he gets it going, no problem. And he also finds a breadfruit in the tree, which uh, I'm assuming he took back to camp and knew how to cook it up and prepare it and give it to everybody. And he is proving himself a little bit indispensable at the moment. And everybody is agreeing that Nasir, who was kind of a little bit on the chopping block last time for calling Deshaun and Danny out for looking for idols. Now he is uh, back in the inner circle. Yeah, this is, this is really interesting to me because it felt super old school. Like on today's survivor, the person who knows how to fish and knows how to start fire and knows how to find breadfruit in a tree and whatever else is like not a valuable person. Right. They, right. they generally, it's like, we'll learn what we can from them. But once we get Flint, we're done. Like, we're good. Yeah. And, uh, for a day. Right. And on this episode, uh, we kind of had people on the Luvu tribe saying, actually, Nasir is sort of essential. We need to keep him around. And I was transported back to like Survivor the Australian Outback or something where 
it's like, oh no, we have to keep the survivalists around. Otherwise, how will we eat? And do you think that's a result of them just not having any food this season? Like if they had the cup of rice, would it be like, hey, we don't actually care about Nasir? I 100% think that is the reason. They're making it so hard that these people with these essential talents to get the necessities people need to live are going to be uh, more indispensable and you're going to have to keep them. And uh, I don't know if, survivor had foreseen that as one of the byproducts of making the game harder again, but I love it. I think, uh, I think, uh, people who have those talents do deserve to be kept around longer because of those talents, because that is part, that's part of the game. Like you're out there, you're surviving and, uh, we'll see what Nasir does with it. And, uh, if he can keep it going, it seems like he kind of like took his foot off the gas a little bit from last week and just, uh, kind of was in the moment and was supportive, but also helpful. So, uh, yeah, kudos to Nasir. I hope we see more of that. Uh, and you know, with, uh, the way that the reward went, we might actually get to see more of those people with those survival skills, uh, come out. Uh, and then we go to the yellow tribe. Yasa is how you say it. I, I think. Yasa. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes even production doesn't get the pronunciation of those uh, indigenous words right. Uh, but we'll go with it. At this point, I, at this point, I uh, I don't think they gave an explanation for these tribe names. But I'm curious about it because they've been in Fiji for so long now. And previously, it was like, oh, this this tribe is named after you know this island that they're on or or whatever this place is called by the local people. Uh, and now it's like that you must have run out of those names for Fiji by now, right? We've been here for like... That's what I thought too. Yeah. I thought that for sure. And then I saw a little blurb from Jeff on how they name tribes. And he was saying that... uh, Where was this? uh, This was maybe on CBS's like social media somewhere. Okay. And he was just talking about how... He didn't give a background of these specific names, but he said, we get a lot of questions about how we name the tribes. Uh, A lot of them come from either the local language and have meaning. Some of them come from local tribes or villages. And sometimes the Fijian, you know, government asks us to name a tribe something or, or other based on their heritage. And so I'm assuming it comes from somewhere though. We, I haven't Googled any of these words, so, uh, that would be extra credit on my part if I had. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm a guy that just like just gets the passing grade. Uh, yeah, that uh, I have not Googled them either. Maybe next time. Okay, maybe. Stay tuned. Uh, so we go to the Yellow Tribe, and uh, they've already lost both challenges in the game. And uh, Liana and Xander get left behind at camp by the other three, which is Tiffany, Bochi, and Evie, right? And that's the thing. Like, if you get left at camp for a little bit, you're like, okay, everybody's just kind of circling. But if you get left for a while, you're like, uh oh, they're scheming about us and we're stuck here looking like fools wondering where everybody is. So they split up and go look. Xander actually takes the time to look around for the idol. And what he finds is the thing we saw Jeff hide before the game even started. Right. This beware advantage. Yeah. And uh, it said, uh, was. 
the, it was interesting leading up to that because instead of playing like delightful music where they're like, this guy's about to find an idol. It was like, dun, dun, dun. He's going to find something. Beware. And so it, even from just the theme thematics of the music, you knew that what he was finding was not fully good and wholesome like a regular immunity idol is. Right. So he pulls this thing out of the tree and it says, if you open it, you have to do what it says. Uh, what are you doing there? What are you doing there, Riley? So I thought about this as was happening. And I think I would have been kind of in a bad place with this because I would have put it back and I would have waited until I thought I was in danger at tribal council oh. to pull it. But that would have meant losing an immunity challenge. So, so say I'm Xander, we go and, yeah. and we have a horrible performance in the immunity challenge, as we now know. Then I would have went back to that tree and yanked it out. And I wouldn't have even had the opportunity to say my secret phrase or whatever at the immunity challenge. Oh, and I would have already lost my right. vote. So I would have unknowingly played it very wrong and, and basically had no upside with all of the downside. But that's not... I don't think that's too bad. I think I think a viewer at home would have appreciated that move, even though it would have been incorrect because of what the advantage held. But I think in that moment, in Xander's position, I mean, the beware idol, you're thinking of everything that's ever happened in the history of Survivor. You're thinking of like all the fire token shenanigans from uh, winners at war. You're thinking of like all the the like lose a vote stuff and you're thinking okay so in my mind i'm calculating all of that and i'm thinking i have to put it back because i have to keep my vote and so uh and i'm not i'm not saying that i knew that there's a lost vote in there but with a tribe of five it's hard to you can't you can't be at a disadvantage in a tribe of five you have to have everything and so and he already has his extra vote so he's sitting in a great place in the tribe, I think. With a tribe of five and an extra vote, you are in charge. There's not there's not much more that you can lose, too. Like, you didn't know that it was going to be, hey, you lose your vote. And I think the way that you lose your vote, you lose it until other people find these idols. is like, that's a brutal yes. punishment. But you had to know <laughs> it's incredible. You had to know it would be something with your vote because you don't have yeah. anything else. There's no... It, right. If the theme of this season is you have to risk stuff to get advantages, I would imagine the thing that you're risking 99% of the time is your vote yeah. because you don't even have any food. Right. There's nothing else that you can risk. At this moment, for sure, it is. Because, I mean, they you're, like you said, there's no re rewards at the camp yet. There's nothing. And so you probably do have to assume that it is your vote to some degree. And uh, I, think, I think I would have to put it back and maybe do the same thing, like wait on it. And maybe if we lost the the if we lost the challenger, I started to feel threatened. Then I would go. Uh, Xander chooses to open it, take a risk. I like it as well. He already has an advantage, so it's like, can they negate each other a little bit if they have to? He's probably thinking like, I'll stockpile these advantages now, and then I can you know wreak havoc like. I don't know if you've ever played the card game Uno where you save all the draw fours till one final blow to your uh, opponent and play 17 draw fours in a row. Uh, this feels like what Xander is planning here. And he opens it and it says, it's, it's a, it really is crazy. So he opens it, it says it's a three-way shared advantage with 
three other people or two other people, one from each tribe. They have to find this. They have to say a phrase at the challenge to activate, and it can only be activated when all three phrases have been recited by someone from each tribe. Or, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and right. what are these phrases? So or you'll, Xander's you'll know phrase, that they've been found when people say the phrases or something, phrase. something like that. Correct. So Xander has to say, I truly believe that butterflies are dead relatives saying hi at a challenge. Yes. Yes. I love that. Uh, so he has to say that. The other phrase from the uh, one of the other tribes is... I'm as confused as a goat on AstroTurf. Okay. And then... <laughs> and then... Final, the final, final phrase... phrase Broccoli is just just a bunch of small trees. Okay. I, uh, so, I mean, it's definitely tricky. Uh, they're tricky phrases, right? I appreciate that the production is injecting some humor via these advantages. Yes. I don't know that we've ever seen that before. I think that's new for the game of Survivor. Do you think, uh, who do you think came up with them? Uh, pr- yeah, I'm probably Probst. They seem they seem kind of like corny. That feels like it's up his alley. <laughs> okay, I bet they had a whole team. They paid people uh, full salaries <laughs> to sit in a building for months, figuring out three phrases to, to somewhere put on the show. Somewhere on like the CBS lot, there's a whiteboard just full of <laughs> yes. stupid phrases like this. <laughs> no idea is a bad idea. Uh, so he gets that, and he's like, "Okay, cool." Uh, but the beware part of it is now he loses his vote at every single tribal council until the other phrases have been read or until the other phrases have been recited at a challenge. So that is brutal to lose a vote every single time. You have to be so reliant on your, uh, alliance, but Riley, you're no help to your alliance without your vote. Right. And so this advantage forces him to tell a bunch of people about it because he has to have an explanation for why he's not going to have a vote unless he wants to use the extra vote, which everybody also knows about. Right. Uh, And once the other idols are found, there'll be other people from the other tribes that know that he has this idol because he said the phrase at the immunity challenge. So even if this pays off, he'll get yes. this three-way idol, which really is like an idol for three people. It sounds like they don't have to use it together, right? They each right. get their own idol. They each get their own idol, but everyone's going to know who has the idols. Right. So honestly, this sucks. <laughs> he should have left <laughs> it in there. Good. <laughs> it's not good at all. Uh, and it's, it really is bad. And and then, like, I don't know if I would have played it this way. Evie uh, walks up. Evie and Vochi walk up while he's holding the instructions to this beware advantage. And he shows it to him and lets him read through everything. Is that the best way to prove to these people uh, what you have so that they can understand fully? Or is this something you tuck in your bag, maybe explain it to him a little bit? Or wait and see if you lose the challenge, first of all, because you may not even have to explain why uh, there was a vote not cast. Plus, if you're voting someone out, you can always claim that they're the person that didn't cast their vote, except for that it that person's vote usually goes uh, to someone that's still returning to camp. So 
not right. a good idea in hindsight right. here. Yeah, that would usually be the first one, right? Yeah, I think I'd probably wait until after we lose the immunity challenge. Yeah. And otherwise, so, just not say anything. Correct. And I feel like that's what I would do, too. Uh, the golden rule on Survivor, if you find uh, an advantage, even if it's a beware advantage, I think, is to keep it tight to the chest. Uh, because uh, she tells Evie, he tells Evie, Xander tells Evie, and Voce, and Evie immediately goes and tells Tiffany and Liana and Evie has no, she has, she's not going with Xander and Vochi Like they think they think they are a tight threesome. Evie has other plans. She's going to go with Tiffany and Liana and it's going to be a girl's thing on that tribe, which, uh, I like, I don't disagree with. And I think that Evie is playing smart and, uh, juggling two alliances in a way, but she does have to make a decision here. Uh, so we go to the challenge and it is a reward slash immunity challenge this time. And, uh, much to my disappointment, only one tribe is losing this time. The other tribes are getting fishing gear and immunity. So it's a single elimination, uh, but the losers still do have to give up their fire. Correct? Yes. Well, they didn't have, ultimately, they still didn't right. have it. They, yeah. So they maintain just zero flint <laughs> on the Asa tribe. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I really do like that twist this season. It, it makes it hard. And then I just imagine every time uh, every time the tribe leaves camp, I just imagine all the production crew just pissing on their fire to put it out so that they, when they come back, there's no, there's no embers or anything in there to get it going again. Really? Is that what they do? They just they make sure you have like no fire? I guess you you probably were never in a situation where production took your flint, right? We were never in a situation where production took our flint, but on Heroes versus Villains, uh, it was raining for three days, and I stole, I I hatched a plan with Boston Rob, uh, and I was like, Rob, you wait by the fire. I'm gonna go steal gasoline from this little film pontoon that they use to film ocean scenes, and so I took a shred of fabric, dipped it down. It was dumping rain. I told production I was going to the restroom. I ran out to this pontoon, dip this strip of fabric, get this gasoline, this thing soaked in gasoline, wrap it in wet leaves. We hadn't had a fire for like two or three days. I run back. I throw it in the fire pit as Rob puts a spark to it. Huge. The fire just goes up. Production is scrambling. They're like, how did they get this going? This is incredible. Boston Rob is the greatest fire maker of our time. And uh, we're like, yeah, live in large. But it was still dumping rain. So we're like, okay, we're going to get this fire going so hard that even in the dumping rain, when we come back from whatever challenges and stuff, we'll still have fire. My theory, I know production could smell the gasoline. They didn't know where it was coming from, but they could smell it. So my theory is when we left to go to a challenge, production put the fire out to trap us into building it again, which we did. So we got back to camp, no fire. I go to Rob. I said, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, what was funny is that when we walked to the challenge, we walked past the generator where they were charging all of their cameras. And there was a huge, brand new, giant plywood lockbox built around this generator with a padlock on it. What they didn't know is that I didn't get the gasoline from there. I got it from this little boat. So I go back to the boat, no lockbox on the boat motor dip the fabric, run back. As I'm about to throw it in the fire pit, 
uh, producer steps in, grabs the stuff from me, smells it, loses his mind, threatens to send me home, threatens to send Boston Rob home, uh, has to call Jeff, has to talk to Mark Burnett. They're like on the phones. They're on the walkies. They're like, what do we do? What do we do? This guy's stealing gasoline. And uh, in my mind, I'm like, I'm just out here surviving, dude. It's pouring rain. There's nine of us. We're miserable. If you leave me an opening, I'm going to take it. And eventually they're just like, and plus I'm like, I'm probably like 30 at this point, And I have like a 28 year old man yelling at me about stealing gasoline. Like it didn't like I was unfazed. I was just like, okay, okay guy. And, uh, eventually what happened was Jeff sent us a huge bag of firewood and a liter of kerosene to start fires. What? <laughs> Wait, how did that happen? <laughs> because it was, we were struggling so hard to get fire and they could see how desperate we were to get it. That Jeff was like, here's this. The next day, there was a giant lockbox built around the motor of the pontoon with a padlock on it as well. And uh, so it ended up being a positive, but we did burn through that dry firewood and kerosene like almost immediately. You really needed like a Nasir on the villain's tribe. You, we need, well, but it was dumping rain. So uh, that was, there was no, nothing dry to start on fire. I don't know. So, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't underestimate him. Yeah, that's true. He could probably do it. I think he would have been on the hero's trap, though. So far. We'll Let's see. see how this plays out. Yeah. I don't even remember where I was going with that story. It probably had a point to it. Uh, it was something about how production like snuffs out the fire. Oh, yeah. So I think they, uh, my theory is they snuffed the fires to trap us into. So I could see them doing that and making it hard for the tribes. And also, I think uh, they do tell you before the game starts that if your fire does get out of control, production will step in and put it out. That makes so sense. So you have to like build a very nice, secure fire pit and fire uh, surroundings so that you don't catch the entire island on fire. Right. Yeah, they don't want you burning down Fiji. Correct. Uh, even though it's a lot of little islands separated by a lot of water, still even one island would be a disaster. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I think. I think uh, if they're not getting a raging fire, or if they are, that production could easily blow it out for them to come back and have to deal with every single time. Yep. Um, so we get there, we get to the challenge and Xander plays off working this phrase into his, uh, his conversation with Jeff pretty well, I think. Right. Yeah. He does a decent job of it. I know that they, that it was like everyone kind of laughed and there was like an awkward pause. Maybe some of that's a little editing trickery, but that was better than I would have done. I would have just blurted it out like a big idiot. <laughs> you would have just said, I think butterflies are past relatives. Come to say hi. Yeah, I would have raised my hand. I'd be like, Jeff has something to say. <laughs> I, I believe butterflies are dead relatives. <laughs> They're saying hi. Yes, I love it. I And I also was thinking, how am I going to, how would I say this? How would I work this in? And then I thought, why would I be the first guy to say it? Why wouldn't I let someone from the other tribe say the phrase first? Well, what if everybody thinks that? What if all three people have found the idol and they're nah. all like, I'll just wait for somebody else to kick it off? I don't think so. I think one of them's kicking it off, dude. You um, think that that has my other thought about this advantage, which is that if Xander, if there's a tribe swap of some kind and I'm Xander, I would be scouring a new island or a new beach for that yep immediately yeah and then would he have to go to uh to the challenge and repeat both phrases i hope so 
I hope so too. I hope he gets all three and he has to say all three <laughs> phrases to activate this thing. Everyone will just think he's a lunatic. They'll be like, well, I no. don't know. I don't know what's going through that guy's head. No, and I'll tell you why not in a second. Okay. But first, let's get to the challenge. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Ice Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. So we get to the challenge and it is a reward of fishing gear, which I'm a little bit heartbroken about. I wanted them to be, I wanted it to be so hard that they weren't even getting fishing gear or anything. Still fishing is hard and uh, there's, two tribes that will be winning reward with a large fishing bundle and a smaller fishing bundle. And really all you need is a spear, fins, a mask, and a net. So the other stuff is whatever. And uh, yeah, and then they, they start off. It's this ocean challenge, this ocean obstacle course where they have to swim to a platform, run across a balance beam, swim to another platform, and then activate your puzzle pieces. And everybody in the tribe has to do this uh, first part, the water swimming portion, which I like. I, I think it forces the tribe to be strong and to choose, like, based partly on that, like old school Survivor was as well. Uh, and so you have to have, and I think, like, everybody on the tribe should participate when they can. Sure, we had one person sit out because of uneven numbers, but in general, I think you try to make it so that everyone needs to participate because for me, the challenges are part of the game. Yeah. I think you see so often too, with these challenges where they have to swim and then dive down to undo something. Yes. Every single time I see one of these challenges, it's like somebody goes down and then they run out of breath because they just swam a bunch and they didn't take yeah. a sec to like gather themselves. It happens every single time. Right. Uh, wouldn't happen with me. I could hold my breath from start to finish without even a issue. Riley, Tell all your friends. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll send out a group text right okay, now. Cool. <laughs> so uh, everybody seems to be getting through it decently uh, until we get to Tiffany, who is on uh, the Ua tribe. Where is Tiffany at? The Yasa tribe. The Yasa tribe. So Tiffany at the Yasa tribe cannot get across the balance beam. And she tries and tries and tries. She even, and I think this is what's infuriating to a lot of people, takes moments to pause and be like, I need a second. I need a second, which I get. She's exhausted. But from the tribe's point of view, she's not trying her hardest because she's not just go, go, go till she gets it done. And uh, people are taking different approaches. Some people are able to run across the balance beam. Uh, some people are scooting along on their groins like Danny was doing and uh, lots of different techniques, but everybody was getting across it except for Tiffany. She took forever. And uh, so the other two tribes were already working on their puzzles. So uh, 
uh, Ua and Luvu were working on their puzzles. And then Tiffany finally finished. Liana gets in the water and rips, dude. She got through that thing so fast, right? Yeah, yeah. The, other, the Tiffany was also indecisive too because she started by scooting. Then she kind of like fell off and was like, maybe I'll run across it. And then she kind of like went back to scooting. It was tough yes. to watch. Yeah, it was. And it is. It is tough to watch. It's it's in, it's probably embarrassing in the moment. And it's probably actually embarrassing for her to watch. More embarrassing so than for us to watch. And then the they weren't super kind with her with the editing. Like they went to like a slow motion thing at one point with her tribe yeah. like yelling at her. I was like, oh man, they're really, <laughs> really putting the focus on Tiffany here. Yeah. Uh, let's say this is you in Tiffany's shoes. You know this episode's coming out. Are you gathering your family to celebrate you being on Survivor in this moment? I think it'd be a lot easier knowing that you don't go home at the end of the episode and just be like, yeah, look at what a big idiot I was, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, when I would hold watch parties, I didn't even tell like my family and stuff it, it, that that was the episode I got voted out. And it always made for a very somber watch party. Everybody's excited. Uh, yeah. You're there. All of a sudden, tribal council. It looks like it could be you. They're thinking there's no way he'd throw a party if it was him. Then it is me, and everybody's like, "Oh, oh man!" But at that point, are you kind of, are you kind of over it? You're like, "Hey, that was months ago." You know, I've had to tend time to kind of come to terms with whatever mistakes. No, I'm telling made. you right now, Riley, you live it twice. Ah, so why do you throw yeah. a party? Uh glutton for punishment i guess i throw it for other people okay yeah it's not for me in that moment in that moment i'd rather just watch it by myself or not watch it at all uh but uh, yeah and i i don't know if people realize that but you live it the first time and then unless you win you have six months to a year of regret just building and building and building and dread waiting for them to show the season and then the season comes out and all those feelings you'd suppressed for or worked on suppressing for a year are back at the front and you live it again. So even though Survivor does only take like a month or two to film and you're gone for that long, I would say it's a full year of really consuming your life to a certain degree, at least. Wow. And then, yeah. And then if you're somebody that got voted out first, I mean, that's a full lifetime of like, hoping they do an all first boot season right yeah i mean they, they've only brought back like one or maybe a few first boots ever before yeah. francesca yeah. uh and she was first boot twice a record that'll never be broken it's true it's truly like a, you don't no. think you don't think she might break it what if she goes back well that she would just re-up her own record you know but no i think no one will ever top her okay yeah that is uh very heartbreaking record to own, but uh, I think she's strong for being able to deal with it. And uh, so, yeah. So Tiffany flops miserably at the challenge. The, her tribe comes back because of Liana's uh, amazing uh, swimming and uh, getting through the balance beam and stuff. And so I almost thought, okay, we're going to see another come from behind victory from the underdogs. But alas, the underdogs let us down again by all still losing and uh they still don't have their flint they're exhausted and they are going to tribal council and there's another twist 
dun, dun, dun. The winning tribe, Luvu, they win. They get to choose someone from the losing tribe to go on this journey to the island. The same journey the three guys took in episode one. Uh, they choose Evie. And then they get to choose one of their own, which they don't really choose because Deshaun just raises his hand and volunteers to go, which for some reason, volunteering to go on this thing hasn't really backfired on anybody yet. And I feel like it should. And uh, I would definitely not have volunteered to go because, I mean, I've played enough times to realize that anytime someone gets to be with someone from the other tribe, you have to now assume those people are in an alliance. So then when the merge hits, to me, Deshaun and Evie are a partner to a certain degree. And same with uh, the guys who went last, last week. So I'm thinking never, ever volunteer. Riley? Well, okay. So I, I will provide the counter perspective here from, the, from a person who's never played. I think that if they end up doing this enough times throughout the season while they're on separate tribes, there'll be so many of these like crisscrossing relationships by the time you hit a merge that it'll be hard to keep track of. And Tyson, if you sit it out, you won't have any. You won't have any connections with any of the other tribes that all of these other people have built up. And so maybe you'd actually be at a big disadvantage. There'll be so many that no one will have a target on their back for, oh, they went, you know, they went and talked, like Evie and Deshaun talked. Well, so did a million other people. So it won't, it won't really matter, but you'll be the one who actually doesn't have those relationships with other people. Okay, fair point. And also, Luvu did win, so Deshaun is not going to tribal council that night. So he is also fine there. So if you're Luvu's uh, tribe, how are you selecting someone? Are you selecting someone that's comfortable in the game so that they have a chance of sticking around so you can have a bond with them? Or are you choosing uh, somebody you think is on the bottom? I don't know. Because I, I don't understand how they ever choose anyone. Whenever it's like choose someone from the other tribe, I'm like, doesn't Luvu just like know nothing about Yasa almost other than what Danny learned from Xander last episode i guess but there probably isn't very much going on there so on token chains you would choose the strongest to hopefully create some discord or you know some confusion amongst the group while the leader is gone or you choose the weakest knowing that that's probably going to be hardest on them and they're going to come back to to camp and be a drain on everyone else and so that has generally been the thought process, I think, in selecting someone from another tribe to do something like that. And so I don't know why they chose Evie, uh, but it seemed pretty unanimous. It seems like they're choosing people based on their trustworthiness from the outside. Is so that- if I recall in Token Teens, wasn't it also that there were a couple of people that were on uh, exile or whatever and like made a made an alliance and then they went back yes. together a bunch of times after that uh yes see so and we sent them we sent them back together a bunch of times so that new alliances couldn't be formed so we kept sending the same and the second brendan chose somebody other than taj to go to exile island i was like brendan's gotta go dude he's got something going with these guys he's gonna step up and be like we're sending someone else this time i was like that doesn't work dude you got to send the same person over and over and over again to a crush their spirits and b be able to to maintain control of who meets who 
And then you would have an obvious, like, these are the two people who are the target or whatever. Because I I feel like if it had been, like, if Danny on Luvu had been like, hey, let's send Xander and me. We'll we'll be the two that goes. It would have been like, okay, big target on you two now. You know, you two are clearly forming bonds that we can't have. And so if you're just sending everybody, it's like, it's more chaotic, but maybe in a way that has the game less in front of you, right? You know, you're not able to, to... see as easily where the connections are how strong the bonds are between people from different tribes right and uh that is true and also uh everybody just assumes it's another extra vote and in my mind i'm thinking no it's going to be something different this time because they can't just have 30 people with extra extra votes here can they uh maybe they can (laughs) maybe not 30 maybe they not 30 people but maybe 30 extra votes yeah yeah that's what i'm saying so i and so when you say Xander and Danny, if they would have gone again, that would have been crazy. So yeah. anyways, they, uh, it's, it's Evie who, uh, who Luvu chooses to go. And then Deshaun volunteers to go. They go on the boat. They go to that island. Same thing. Long hike up. Evie has the foresight to say, hey, look, when we get there, I'm going to be safe. I can't afford to lose my vote. Uh, and so I am going to keep my vote and you can take the extra vote because I'm really smart. I think as far as building bonds, but then Evie does unbeknownst to her, I feel is getting herself into a little bit of trouble here by spilling the beans on all of Xander's advantages, the phrases, there's an advantage at camp, all of this stuff. And then even going so far as to be like Xander's on the bottom, he's probably going home. He doesn't know it. We're going to get him. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, well now you have to make sure that happens. And so in my mind, I'm like, she spilled way too much. And she, in her mind is thinking I'm giving just the perfect amount of information, but then she keeps going and going and going. And I'm like, oh no, this is bad. This will come back to haunt you. And, uh, she tells Deshaun pretty much everything. Yeah, I, I don't mind the idea of her sharing other people's secrets. I think that that could be smart, but she shares like all of the secrets. She <laughs> shares every single secret. Yeah. She's like, here it all is. Here's our entire tribe. And it's like, oh, wow. And then she's like, by the way, I'm, Xander's definitely going home tonight. And then he doesn't. Yeah. So that kind of undermines your position of power among your tribe uh, as well, well as... It keep- does that. And also, Deshaun will go to Xander and be like, hey, Evie told me that you were getting voted out that night. Yep, and she, and also she told me about your three way idol and why you said the butterfly thing and whatever else. So all of it, yeah, she's a she bit dangerous too. Yeah, if she's gonna say all that stuff about Xander, she needs to make sure he's gone. Then, so she says all that stuff to Deshaun. She lets him have the extra vote. So she does build a, an alliance with Deshaun to a certain degree or a lot, but she also puts her foot in her mouth. Also, quite a lot, I think, and uh, I believe that we will see that come back to haunt her uh, as the tribes either get jumbled up or as Deshaun and Xander meet in person. Um, then they all go back to camp, right? And uh, right, let me see what I've got here on my notes. We get this good. Yeah. We get this good Tiffany quote I wrote down where she's in a confessional. She's like, "Yeah, maybe I cost my tribe a minute or two, but I don't think this will affect my game yes. that much." And three I, minutes most. I like Im- immediately paused the episode, like wrote down that quote. I was like, "Here we go." Uh, and actually, she, she you know she ends up not going home, which I was surprised about. But hey, spoiler alert, bro! 
uh, yeah, to anybody who's listening to this podcast before you've watched the episode, I really <laughs> recommend that you don't do it in that order. <laughs> so, so, uh, Evie goes back and in our eyes, well, first let's talk about this quote with Tiffany. It was way longer than three minutes, way longer. She says a minute, three minutes tops. Sure, the editing could have made it look, look like longer and longer. But in the heat of the moment there, when you're doing a challenge, you have no concept of time. By the way, three minutes is a really long time. Like three it, minutes. Even, is if, a really even if she's right about three minutes, three minutes on that balance beam, three minutes. Like that's yeah. a long time. That's a challenge. When that, you have people getting through it in six seconds. Right. Three minutes is a long time. That'll lose right. you a challenge. Like, yes. Yeah, that's true. So three minutes is devastating. I maintain that it was more than three minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, but, I just think what, regardless of how long it was, it probably cost them a chance to win the challenge. Yes, I believe so, too. Uh, so she's talking about that. And then she does the thing where she goes and it's like, OK, maybe it was my fault, guys. I'm so sorry, which I still think never do that. Yeah, just never admit it. Yeah, I think just be like, yeah, that was tough or whatever. Don't even start the conversation. If you have to have the conversation, fine, but don't be the one that comes back to camp. It's like, hey, gather around everybody. I'm so sorry. I'm so bad at everything. Please don't vote me out. I'll try hard, as hard as I can. You know I'm here. Or, uh, or the other one is uh, when people start talking about the challenge and then the person who cost them the challenge steps in and says, I mean, that it was hard for everybody. It was really hard for everybody type of thing. Uh, I think you just kind of like hunker down and hide a little bit and uh, try to be helpful around camp. And uh, yeah, just like duck. And so she talks about it a little bit. Uh, and she's not as bad as Sarah from last week. Right? Sarah came back and was like, I'm so sorry. It should have been who cried last week. Sarah was. Sarah? Yeah. But it was yeah. in like a confessional. She probably cried to her tribe too. I feel like if you're crying in confessional or at least was emotional in a way that they, they probably picked up on, which I think is, was probably a worse reaction to have after the challenge. Also, Sarah didn't really mess up the challenge that badly. They had a missing puzzle piece that she may yeah, or may they, not have even been responsible for versus correct. Tiffany, who was sitting on the balance beam for like half an hour. Yeah, scooching around on the balance beam. Uh, so uh, when Evie gets back to camp, she does, I mean, the new players, they're figuring out this game. And they are on a learning curve. And you're seeing them do things that someone who's played four times would never do, which is she gets back to camp and she immediately, in from what we see on TV, is like, Hey, uh, Tiffany and Liana, you want to go get water with me? And they just, all three girls just walk to the well and leave Xander and Vochi there by themselves. And uh, the boys don't seem too concerned with it. They both trust Evie enough. But in my mind, I would be like, why did she take them first? Why didn't she talk to myself? Why didn't she talk to Xander and, and Vochi? So I would already be on high alert there. And, uh, maybe they were, uh, but they start talking, the girls talk and then Tiffany starts doing the thing where she does not want her name written down at all, but she knows she can't avoid it. So she's like, well, what if he does have the idol? And that's always 
I know that it seems like really uh, paranoid to run around and do that. But if you're on the chopping block, like Tiffany is, you want to make sure. And so in her mind, she's like, this guy has this advantage. Maybe he already has the idol. We got to play it like he does, which I think if you're suspect of someone having an idol, you have to play like they have an idol. I think that's a pretty standard thought process there. And uh, she's starting to get on people's nerves. So classic survivor where they all think it's settled. Somebody's going home. They, the girls had decided to go with Xander unbeknownst to him because of his advantages. And uh, Tiffany gets spooked by Xander's potential to have an idol, even though everyone knows he doesn't from their viewpoint, Tiffany can't be certain. And she tries to push the vote on Vochi, which is then pushing the vote back on her. Right. You don't think it's different at all for Tiffany with the fact that Evie has seen the note and understands how the idol works and can be pretty much 100% confident or close to it that uh, Xander doesn't have an idol. I mean, the only basically the only way Xander would have an idol is if there was another idol that he found, like something completely different. In which case, what you know? Why wouldn't it have been Vochi who had, you know who could have found a different idol? Right. I mean, I don't know if you've ever uh, heard anybody on Survivor uh, say that you can't trust anybody. Uh, but true. You can't trust anybody. So the fact that you're not seeing it with your own eyes and don't know who's to say that Tiffany doesn't suspect Evie of just like making stuff up or repeating hearsay or whatever. Like unless she trusts. Evie so fully, which you never can on Survivor. Like if somebody came to me with that story, I'd be like, well, we've never seen something like that before. I don't think that it's not true, but I'm not going to take your word 100% for it. And also, have you ever played that whisper game where you stand in a circle and one person whispers something and it comes back around to you and it's something completely different? Yeah. That is how Survivor is. So as one thing gets seen and then told to someone and then someone tells it to somebody else and then somebody tells it to somebody else it is a completely different thing than what the original idea was right right and that's kind of the beauty of the game is all this human error in it uh because if we at one, at one point tiffany seemed to not remember that uh if evie's story is true it means that xander doesn't have a vote because because she needed that like re-explained to her uh and that and some of that could be like the game of telephone that you're describing right exactly so I think that uh I think that it's hard to trust somebody and especially if they've left out uh key parts and then repeated to that you repeated them to you later like uh the way JD told his story last week about walking up to the to the vote choices where he kept jumping back and forth and didn't chronologically approach uh the situation and so Tiffany is probably on high alert here and picking through everything and trying to decipher what is real and what isn't. And uh, she says that she uh, needs Vochi to go. She would feel safer because she knows Xander has some advantages. And uh, I mean, I, I think it's one of those situations where you push a little bit and see if you can get people to go, but you can't push so hard that you uh, alienate your alliances. And so uh she was in that space there, I think. Yeah, she all she almost did what you're talking about. Yeah, yes, and uh, so 
the last we see before tribal council is Tiffany kind of scrambling around to the girls to say, let's vote Vochi out. It's the only way I'm going to feel comfortable. And you see both girls saying, maybe we just vote Tiffany out. She's, you know, she's a wild card now, which she is, but also like, you got to also put yourself in that player's position. If your name's getting written, written down, what are you doing? Right. If you know for a fact that your name is getting written down, what are you personally doing in that situation? If you're doing the same thing Tiffany would do, then you have to be a little understanding and kind of go with the flow a little bit with her and make her feel as comfortable as possible. Do you think, uh, do you think Tiffany should have played her shot in the dark dice? I don't think anybody should play that ever. I think the odds are too low. Yeah. One in six, 16.67, six, 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 seven. Do you just know that fraction? Yeah. Oh yeah. I just memorized the fractions, Jeff. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I think it's too low. I think I think we got to put that thing at like a one third shot of staying something where you're forcing people to really play it. Well, do you think we're going to see it played this season? Oh, yeah. Someone someone will play it eventually. Man, it would be a bummer if just nobody played it. <laughs> it just doesn't I think matter. nobody's playing it. I think nobody's playing it. At some point, someone will play it. Well, I think Tiffany could have played it because either her people are with her and it will be a 2-1 vote if Sandra doesn't have a vote, or a 2-2 like locked-up tie, because uh, she would give up her vote to do this immunity thing. Um, okay. Or I could see that. Like, there's yeah, mathematically uh, that makes. sense. I was trying to work it out in the episode. I was like, does her vote actually matter? Like, if she has the people with her, or they're not with her, and then the votes are coming on her, and she's going home anyways. Um, but it's kind of it, it's pretty tough. And if you only get it's unclear to me if you get the dice back, like if you can play it every right. tribal or whether this is right. a one a one and done thing that wasn't really super clearly explained. Uh, and if it's a one and done, then you probably just keep it because there might be some time later down the line where you'll need it more. Right. So mathematically, you have to, for me, I was taking the mathematical approach where I was saying you have to be, uh, so you have a 17% chance of winning the spin. That means you have to be like 83% sure that it's or greater that it's you going home to mathematically make that decision. And so that's tricky. And especially with the dice in place in play, all of them that uh, people are going to be more quiet about the vote or should be, you know, you were going to get less of people being like, Hey, it's you tonight, blah, 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 blah. So uh, yeah, I, I still think rightly that nobody's going to play it. Okay, we'll see. I guess we will. You say, how many people do you think we're going to play it this season? Oh, man. Uh, I would say two or three. I'd probably set the over-under, like if you're betting on it, at like two and a half. Two and a half? Okay. I'm saying zero. How much are we betting? I'll take the over. I don't know if I can bet with you. I think you have deeper pockets than me after winning Survivor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well... We should bet something fun. I'll give that some thought. We we should bet something like you got to do something. Okay. We'll think about it. Yeah, we'll think about it. But then what if it gets played next week and we don't have time to come up with what we were going to do? Well, then we'll, we'll just forget. We, we'll forget we ever had this conversation. Okay. We'll just move we'll on. Go back and uh, yeah, re-record this whole thing so that this can be omitted from all of it. Uh, okay. So Riley with a hot take thinking the the uh what's it called again shot in the shot dark in the dice dark. is going to be played over two times yeah wow. for the whole season incredible yeah no i agree i i understand all right but i think that you're on survivor it's 
the only time you may ever be on the show. It's been your lifelong dream to be on the show. You're leaving your fate up to a one in six roll of the dice. Maybe. But if you have the numbers, you know, if it's either, hey, I've, I've got my alliance going my way. It, it, I think it's when you get into even number tribal councils, it'll matter. Like, let's say there's eight people going and you're like, it's either going to be five, three, in which case my vote won't matter. It'll be four, three. Or the votes are actually coming on me, in which case I'll need this immunity. That's where it'll like make sense to play it. It's sort of like, well, there's kind of going to be no downside to me playing it here. Granted, there also could be a million other extra votes floating around, other people playing their shot in the dark die. I think one of the the themes of this season is stuff is just going to be more confusing and chaotic than ever. At the merge, are we going to have the most votes ever cast at one time for anything? Uh, I mean, unless you're counting... They all come back to the merge. There's, what, 12 people. Half of them have extra votes. And they don't know which way the lines are drawn. So they're all using their extra votes. And as one person uses their extra vote or there's whispers of it, everybody decides to use their extra votes, which then creates a 32 vote tribal council. Yeah, you might be right. Uh, I mean, unless you're counting the final tribal council and winners at war where you guys where everybody was on the jury. But I think that that's kind of yeah. different. Like I, I put the final tribal in its own thing compared to a regular tribal council. So yeah, yeah I think with the number of extra votes, yes, we might see something fun. Yeah. Might set some records. So we're headed to, to tribal council and we do not know, is it Tiffany or is it Xander or at the last minute, is it maybe Vochi? Uh, and as we get into Tribal Council, we get a weird Tribal Council introduction by Jeff Probst. Did you? How did you feel about that? I hated it. <laughs> I, I I also I also disliked it. It was like a golf green like announcer. He's like, okay, so here we are at Tribal Council, and it's going to be between loyalty or strength. Here we go. Yeah, I didn't love it. So you know, basic storytelling is you try to show not tell and i think and they also did show right they already they showed show. we so. knew <laughs> well, yeah we knew going in where the lines were drawn with this tribal council they yes. do that they they already know how to show and not tell so jeff being like by the way in case you knuckleheads weren't paying attention like here's how this tribal council is uh playing out it was just bizarre and just bad yeah, yeah. did hated it hated it did it make us forget about the awkward guys moment last week? Or do we still also remember that? I mean, we remember that that was, that's like a whole different type of thing, but (laughs) it is a different thing, but it was still an awkward conversation to put it on a bunch of different people. So I, I think, uh, I mean, I think omitting guys definitely correct move, but, uh, to make, uh, the cast be the deciders on it was, uh, strange yeah and so now taking you have, the, yeah the 18 people who are in a game where they definitely don't want to stick their neck out and <laughs> yes. also have been handpicked by cbs <laughs> to be there maybe shouldn't be the deciders for this <laughs> i agree so so now we have uh yeah so we have this weird whisper moment by jeff are we going to get this at more tribal councils is jeff now also part of the live tribal council with this standing up and whispering I think so. It seems like it's one of these new editing quirks they're trying out, which I've mostly liked. Like the one of the things we uh, that happened on this episode that we didn't talk about, but some of the flashbacks that they're doing again, yes. and we had 
some good ones with Nasir, some good ones with Deshaun. I feel like they've done a really, really great job of fleshing out the cast, making me care about these contestants. Uh, I, like That stuff's great. Jeff talking directly into the camera before Tribal Council. I don't like that. Leave that one on the cutting room floor. Yeah, I I also agree. I do also like to see the background of these people, where they come from, their story, and the little flashback moments are a lot of fun. So uh, I'm with you, Riley. That makes two of us, which uh, is 100% of the viewership polled in this podcast agrees. Cut the little whisper intro from Tribal and leave the flashbacks. I'm glad we can agree on something, Tyson. Have we disagreed? On I think everything? so. No, man, not everything, but no. Um, and it's Survivor is one of those things where you can really take either side. Yeah, it's like you can argue for either either side unless something is completely uh, moronic, right? There are multiple ways to win Survivor. Yes, yes, multiple paths. It's not like a it's a choose your own adventure book. Sure. Where yeah, where there's multiple ways to get to the end. Uh, and I, that's also the beauty of the game. I mean, if we programmed a bunch of Boston Dynamics robotic dogs to play this thing, nobody would tune in. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Maybe, well, I think I'm, one uh, some people would tune in. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> a season. I'll watch a season of that. That's actually, I think, season 42. Uh, you heard it here first, is uh, a full cast of Boston Dynamic robotic dogs. Okay. Uh, Pretty cool. I'm excited. Uh, so we get into tribal council after the whisper that let us know uh, it's between loyalty or strength tonight on the tribe. But can it be both? Strength and loyalty could go together. Yeah. Just because someone's strong doesn't mean they're not loyal. Right. Yeah. If they had voted out Tiffany, wouldn't it have been Evie building loyalty with Xander and Vochi? And-, and isn't Xander loyal enough, it seems? So that was also... I want to the viewers at home to know that it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can be strong and loyal yeah. like me and you. Yeah. Uh, well, loyal. <laughs> You're loyal. I'm both. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm loyal. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we get into it and, uh, Vochi starts off with a, uh, neurosurgeon analogy that we can all understand. I mean, we've all been there on the right. surgery floor cutting, uh, arteries and whatever we got to do with blood spurting out everywhere. Uh, so I'm glad he could connect with the viewers at home. Makes us all, you know, it's just one of those things. Makes me a little, so, a little nervous about him. If he's my surgeon, he's like, yeah, you know, yeah. when you have blood just <laughs> going everywhere, you got to stop the bleeding. It's like, Oh, is that how your surgeries yeah. usually go? Yeah. Initially my preseason read on Vochi was that, if I needed a neurosurgeon out there while I was playing Survivor, Vochi would be the guy. But now I'm like rethinking all of this. Yeah. Like, would he be the guy with all that blood? I, I mean, sure. I, I'm sure he's a great neurosurgeon. But he talks about the blood and stopping the bleeding. And uh, the analogy wasn't really for me a home run, but you do have to stop the bleeding because you have to figure out a way to win in that moment. And I think that's what he was getting at. So he talks about that. And then goes back and forth between you know tiffany and everybody does a little bit of talking but i think uh vochi did the most talking which from a viewer standpoint that then does kind of you know give you a little bit like oh maybe it's this guy that's talking a lot but 
in real tribal council, Jeff is peppering everybody with a bunch of questions. It doesn't last like five minutes or 10 minutes like it does on TV. It can be multiple hours sometimes. And so he's burying all the red flags and hiding them so that you're not seeing them in that moment for the most part. What do you mean the red flags? Like if you were going home and you're a viewer and you think, okay, when I get to tribal council, I'll just know if Jeff asked me the most questions that it's probably going to be me going home and then I can pivot and turn the tribal council live or figure out how to scramble. But Jeff gotcha. uh, at tribal council peppers everybody with questions, but all you're seeing on TV is the people that are mattering in this vote. And with five people, I mean, everybody kind of does matter. So we see a little bit from everybody and, uh, comes down to the vote. And the second you see, you see Tiffany's name first, no big deal, except for that. We kind of think, okay, if Tiffany's name's first is probably not her. You see Vochi once you see Vochi twice, you know, it's him. See the third one and he's gone. And our winner pick from my winner pick from episode one only lasted to episode two. Right. And I have to say, I've been the winner pick on most seasons I've been on at some point or another. And it feels really bad to be considered the overall favorite of the season and then not win. And so, I mean, I think it probably feels bad even if you're not the overall favorite, right? It feels worse though, that everybody's like, this guy's the best. He's going to win. He's playing so good. And then it's just like, bam. And episode two, sad. Uh, so uh, sorry, David Vochi. Yeah. Uh, he gets voted out, and uh, so and in that moment, y- you guys said last episode too. Uh, you know, being called by your last name is usually a good thing on Survivor. But that's that's we're zero for two now because there was a- Eric Abraham who went by Abraham. He's gone. David Vochi goes by Vochi. Now he's gone. I don't know if there's even anybody else going by their last name on this season now. This is the new era of Survivor that we've never seen before where anyone Jeff calls by their last name is now immediately bad. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's a very bad thing. So uh, let that be known to all you younger viewers out there. When you get on the show, do not ask Jeff to call you by your last name. Just go by your first name until we tell you differently. Uh, We go back to that tribal council real quick. And immediately in my mind, I think Xander knows. He was told that Vochi was being voted out. He has to know. He doesn't really react at tribal council. He's kind of like, yep. And then I watched the votes very carefully, forgetting that he didn't have a vote at all. Uh, But they had a little conversation right after the votes were read. And uh, Xander pretty much acknowledged that he knew that Vochi was gone, unless he's playing it so cool. Yeah. So I noticed that too, is that I think that Evie must have told Xander. That's my prediction as well. I don't think it would have come from anywhere else, in which case, let's assume that that happens for a second. Do you think that's a good move for Evie? Yes. Because she's building... Because she's keeping Xander close to her. There's two ways about it. It's tell Xander, but you have to tell him close enough to Tribal that there's nothing he can do about it, and he can't go to Vochi and work something out, or whatever. Or... uh, ask forgiveness afterwards and be like, listen, I'm with you still. We just had to do this. This was what we did, but don't worry. I'm totally with you, which I think is a harder path to build that relationship back up, but it's more risky. So it's like 
risk versus reward in those moments, which a lot of Survivor is, and you want to keep as many numbers on your side as you can. But if you tell Vochi that he's getting voted out, let, let's say she tells Xander, Xander goes and tells Vochi, Vochi goes and tells the girls that Evie told Xander what they were doing. Now everyone's against Evie. So Evie's putting her neck out a little bit in trusting Xander in that moment. And so uh, I think it's it's very tricky. I think you have to wait till last minute to give your person a heads up. And uh, and then at that point, too, there's still level of distrust because like, oh, they didn't trust me enough to tell me earlier. So it's. It's a tricky situation. What, what would you do there, Riley? You're Evie. I'm Xander. I think you probably, I, I probably tell you at the last minute. And I think one of the reasons that it's easier to do it. So Evie had a quote in this episode where she says, Xander just trusts me so much. And it's obvious that she doesn't want to lose that with him. And it, I think it's also easier knowing that Xander doesn't have a vote at this tribal. So he doesn't have any kind of real power. And it would be very, it would be basically impossible, I think, with only four votes for Vochi to rally up the numbers to to you know make a difference to save himself basically even if saying that if xander went and told vochi i just don't think the vochi is going to be able to do anything about it and xander probably knows that too so you can probably tell xander and say there's less of a chance of this blowing up in my face because xander has no vote right and i uh i kind of understand that as well but if vochi does catch wind of it and knows where it's coming from, he can pit Tiffany and Liana against Evie. And I think that that is a play we don't see as often as we probably could when somebody gets wind of something. Because I think in Xander's position, if he was told that Vochi is going home, Xander is almost now in the power position because he knows the info. He's close with the person getting voted out and he could go and swing the vote against Evie if he wanted. So I don't know if he thought that through or if it's just me like overanalyzing stuff, but I think you can't ever let the person who's going home know they're going home. Gotcha. Because they will find a way to swing it because honestly, then you find the leak. And if the leak is Evie, now Tiffany and Liana can't trust her. Right, right. Well, maybe Tiffany and Liana will pick up on Xander's kind of body language and what he had to say immediately after that tribal council that seemed to indicate that he wasn't too surprised to see Vochi go home. My, I'm almost suspect that they all knew that Xander knew. They all, they all went in as a, as a four, four and yeah. just kind of said, yeah, it's Vochi. Maybe yeah. this, maybe this vote wasn't quite as dramatic as the survivor editors would have the audience at home believe. Right. That's or probably even pretty the girls, typical. Even yeah. the girls strong armed him into just voting that way. Like all three of them were like, Hey, we're voting Vochi. You're either with us or against us. And we just wanted to let you know. Sure. He's like, okay, yeah. cool. And then just let it happen. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. And then uh good episode though. I like the episode. Uh, and uh, that's it. Do you have any other input on the episode before we get into survivor superlatives? I think this episode, I just, I feel like it's setting up a good season. The, you know, the first few episodes are, always, they're never that great because you just don't know these, these people enough. Uh, but I think that we're getting to know the people really well. And I think that that will set up a really good season. Yeah, I think so too. I think we're getting to know people. It looks like they're all playing hard. They mostly all understand the game. 
except for Brad, but he might uh, understand it so little that it's actually going to be quite entertaining for us. It's not that he doesn't understand it. It's that he's uh, exuberant in playing. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, So we do have the survivor superlatives, 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 superlatives. Yeah. Uh, Let's run. Let's we can run through them. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Before we get into that, I want to let our listeners know that Riley and I came to a decision to grow our beards out for 26 days from last episode. So they've already been going a week, right? Yeah. And I uh, texted Riley and said, hey, we're growing our beards out 26 days so that at the end of uh, 26 days, we can show everybody what we would look like after playing Survivor. And uh, Riley said, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. And I was like, oh, and he's like, it's too itchy and uncomfortable for me. Then I get a text immediately back from him that says, my girlfriend thinks I should, so I guess I'm going to. And I was never, I've never been happier, Riley, that uh, this came together for us. So we're both a week in. I want to get a quick beard report from you. How do you feel? Itchy. Yeah, still itchy. Uh, I never, I never grow out my beard. Um, I always keep it clean shaven. I just always have. And so this is kind of like new territory for me and I don't like it. (laughs) I think you're going to love it at the end. So you get, you get past the itchy face. So every hair follicle is pointy because it's been shaven off Yep, and it's all the same length. But as it all starts to grow a little bit different, then it becomes a smoother texture and less itchy. And, uh, Maybe you could get some beard oil or who knows what, some face moisturizer to keep it a little less itchy. But I'm really proud of you. I think we're going to see like a whole new Riley this season. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Well, well, we'll get partway through. We'll get to day 26 and I might just break out the razor immediately and, and be no, like, we're done. listen here. If we get to day, we're going to get to day 26. But then I think I know we really you're... take control and go to day 39. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. I knew this was coming. <laughs> okay. Day 39, right? We're doing day 39. We'll, I mean, we'll, we'll have a conference at day 26. If I get to day 26, I want to I see like, yeah, sure. What will I look like if we were playing a traditional season of Survivor? Might as well go yes. 39. Because if I, with the, with the way I feel about it now, once I uh-huh. shave it off, it might just be that's it. I might never get to a day 26 again. <laughs> yeah. Or a day 39. Right. Uh, but. I'm going to tell you right now, a day 26 beard is nothing compared to a day 39 beard. Those last 13 days are the hardest beard growing days you'll have ever have in your life. I mean, do you think it's different though when you're malnourished and living on an island? Like maybe it won't be as hard to grow it if you're just sitting at home, you know, eating normally. No, I'm, it's going to be harder and I'll tell you why. At 26, your mustache hairs aren't going to be in your mouth yet. Oh. At 39... You've got mustache hairs dangling into your mouth. Every scoop of food scrapes against your gross mustache that's going into your mouth. Great. Well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. You tell me what's harder, 39 days of Survivor or 26 days of Survivor after knowing that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're, you've really sold me on it. I, I can't wait. <laughs> by, by the time we're recapping like episode six or seven or something, I'm just going to be so grumpy. I'm going to be a mess. You're going to be great. I, I have a good feeling about this. And my prediction is that you're going to end up enjoying the beard. Your girlfriend's going to love it. And you're going to end up having some form of facial hair for the rest of your life because that's how it starts. Okay. All right. So, and if you at home want to join in, 
I know you're a week late, but you can still get to day 26 and even day 39 before we finish recapping the entire season. So you have plenty of time. And if you do do it, send us pictures on Twitter so we can uh, check it all out because we're interested to see these day 26 and day 39 beards. Okay. And with that, Survivor Superlatives. So let's just do best move. I think we can run through these pretty quick. What do you think was the best move in the episode? Man, the best move. Uh, Here's the thing: there were there weren't really good moves. There were only bad moves. There were That's only like I'm saying, like kind of eh, like mediocre moves to bad moves. Basically, I think Evie's idea of what she wanted to do was a good move, but then she divulged way too much information to everybody, and uh, so I, man, that is a really tricky question here. I guess for me the best move, the one I was most surprised with was the way that Xander phrased the butterfly phrase at, uh, at the challenge. And he worked it in. He was like, Oh, we haven't had fire, which means we haven't had fresh water, which means we haven't been eating. And I'm so delirious. I woke up this morning thinking that, uh, butterflies are dead relatives, uh, coming to say hi. That's a really good one. And I was like, yeah, uh, I, cause I had Evie written down as kind of same thing. Like, Liked the idea, not totally like think she might have shared too much, might have played a little bit too hard in this episode, but at least like some of her her thinking and thought process. Right. Uh, but I think that Xander really crushed it with how he worded the butterfly thing. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, so good. So are we in agreement that was the best move of the of the game? I think so. I think uh, in, in an episode with not a lot of good moves. Yes. Right. Okay. How about worst move? Oh man, that's really hard too because there were a lot of pretty terrible moves that were all I mean there was nothing stand outish like really really bra- bad, really really Brad, I almost said. Brad <laughs> running and letting Shan know that he was running around was a little bit uh bad. Uh also Tiffany scrambling so hard to switch the votes on Vochi, which kind of made her seem a little wild. Evie I or Evie I think is the worst move probably, but only because we saw it all play out where she told Deshaun everything and then Xander didn't end up going home, which I still feel is going to end up haunting her for the season unless she can get rid of Xander before the merge. Okay. So I had Brad written down, who who, we gave Brad the worst move of the last episode pretty unanimously uh, for just throwing names out right in front of people. So good. Uh, Two names. Yeah, for throwing two names out. Uh, and this one, it was, I, I mean, I think him going and doing the kind of the spy bunker thing was not a bad idea. Uh, turning around and telling Sean about it was a really bad move. Yeah. The execution was, was poor. If we think uh, that everybody on this season is Todd Herzog, I think Brad is the one player who's probably not Todd Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, good. So it's all Todd, it's all Todd Herzog's and one Jean Robert. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, but Brad's not not as bad as Jean Robert. I guess he's kind of his own okay. his own thing. He's one Keith. I like I Keith like Nail Brad. maybe. I, yeah, I think as a character, Brad is great, and I hope that he sticks around a long time because I love yes. to see because he's like kind of like harebrained, like oh I gotta, and he's like yeah, and I love that. I love those type of players, and uh, I think they make the best TV. So uh, yeah, okay. Well, sorry, Brad, that you got the worst move. Uh, again from Riley. Riley, are you just going to pick on Brad the whole season? 
I hope not. Maybe he'll <laughs> maybe he'll surprise us. He could. He could. Surprise I gotta us. call it like I I see it. You know, I have a. You have to be honest. Yes, I have an obligation for, for honesty for our listeners. That's true. Okay, uh, what's the next superlative? Let's do favorite moment. Did you have like a like a moment in the episode? You know, from a not not like a best move or worst move, but like right. What did you enjoy the most? What did I enjoy the most? What was the most entertaining? Uh, I can say mine. Okay, say yours. Well, I think it was uh, Nasir's fire-making moment and learning about his, his life in Sri Lanka a little bit. And and also, kind of, this is a different moment, but Deshaun, too, uh, the flashbacks that they gave with him, I just think that the way that they're doing that, the the flashbacks with these players is really, really good and has, has led to some of the best like kind of character building moments that I think are going to set up great payoffs down the line, really make you invested in these contestants. Right. I agree. And I did, I almost listed Nasir uh, with the fire making as the best play of the game in approaching it in a way that he wasn't like, look what I can do and you can't do. It was more like, let's let everybody try. And then when everybody's tired of trying, I will come in and help. And so uh, I do like that moment as well favorite moment i always look for like the most entertaining and wacky moment of uh of the episode because those are always my favorite like i love the coaches the philip shepherds the debbie uh uh what's her last name debbie warner or, or uh, yeah 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 uh i love i know I you're love talking all about. those i love all those contestants and i love that type of tv so for that i think brad is generally my favorite but there wasn't anything like really spectacularly wacky that brad did this episode so uh yeah okay what's the next one okay this is a front runner though so since vochi's out oh my god how, how about you tell us who, who you think is gonna win who might just be the person who gets eliminated in the next episode man so we got to say who's gonna get voted out next and who is going? Oh, you you think no, whoever I choose no. is going home next? Yeah, you just pick your front runner who you think's playing the best go game so next. far. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there it's the curse. It's the Tyson curse. We'll see. Well, it's it's only one time so far. If it happens again, then then it will be the Tyson curse. Yeah, I mean, we didn't see a lot from a lot of people this week. We saw a ton from Danny episode one. We didn't even hardly see him. The only thing we saw him do was scoot across the balance beam. We just got almost nothing from the Luvu and Ua tribes this episode. Yeah. Yes. So uh, it's hard to choose somebody over there. I like Nasir's spot better now, but I still think he's too threatening to win the game for people to keep him around till the end because uh, he's too likable. And, uh, you know, Liana's actually maybe not in a bad spot. I'm going to choose somebody that we kind of got to see some of because she did the challenge very well. She isn't really making waves. She's just kind of like letting somebody else lead, but she is there making decisions. And so I like that because I think Xander is too out in the open. If they go back to tribal again, I think he's gone. Uh, Tiffany has already been a wild card and Evie's given way too much information to way too many people. So at this point, I'm saying, Liana, and if you go home next week, Liana, I'm so, 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 so sorry. Yeah, uh, <laughs> poor Liana. <laughs> I was going to say Evie, even though as we've talked about, she's overplayed a little bit. I do think that there's a chance that she's building some pretty good bonds and she was 
seemed really well liked on the Yasa tribe, able to play the middle between these two competing alliances, and then also was able to make a connection with Deshaun on this episode. So there's danger there for her in terms of giving out too much information and being the leak and eventually getting caught. But I think if she can keep all that together, she is building herself into a powerful position. Right. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it's going to be hard for her to slow down her play, though. Yeah, she's got her foot on the cruise control, whatever that cruise control is. It's a little bit too fast and it is hard at that point to pull back and take a second to realize you're overplaying. Uh, So that's why I didn't choose her. Uh, Who's going home next week? Uh, That's a great it's it's so hard to say, I feel like, because we just don't know who's going to tribal. Um, Uh, I mean, if history repeats itself, Xander's. Going could be Xander. Time. I think it also maybe could be Brad too. Uh, if if the um, Ua tribe goes to tribal council, uh, do we have somebody on the third tribe that is grading to anybody? Really, I don't know because they, so they've been the dominant tribe so far, right? They won immunity both weeks, first place both weeks in the immunity challenge, um, and they. I think Luvu was the tribe that didn't unclip in the very first challenge in the premiere too. And if they had unclipped, they probably would have won that challenge as well. So that means that we haven't gotten a very good look at like the dynamics of that tribe because they've just been safe. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So my prediction is, uh, Xander based on the fact that they're probably still the weakest tribe, uh, physically and that he's, most definitely on the bottom, whether he knows it or not. Yeah, that's a tough tribe. That's a, that. I, I have a hard time seeing how they're going to win an immunity challenge unless it's just kind of like a puzzle. Right. That's how I feel. And, and then I think they'll probably uh, hit the uh, tribe swap here after this. Uh, not next episode, but after. Yeah. How many so, do we have left right now? 15? We have 15. They could Actually, they could do a tribe swap here because I think that they can't swap they can't go down to two tribes because that could leave one of the idols, one of the advantages, the three advantages stranded at a beach. No, so I think they'd they have just to keep put it the three. other. They just put both just tribes put on the two. beach that have the advantage still hidden. Okay, but what if no? What if no one had found that advantage yet? They would just pretend it didn't exist. I guess, right? Uh, I don't know. That's a good point. Maybe just relocate it. I think they do relocate if you go leave a beach and there's an idol hidden somewhere. I think they just go ahead and place it on the new beach, but I am not certain. Okay. So, so. could happen next episode. Could be yes. the episode after that at 15 or at 14. Right. So if it's at 15, then it's what, then it's a three still tribes of three, which you think they have to keep, uh, which I guess makes sense if they have the whole thing sketched out, but maybe they also sketch out the season like a choose your own adventure where they're like, if one of them gets found, we'll just do a tribes of two at 14. And if none of them get found, we'll keep, if none right. of them get found, we'll keep tribes of three. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, any other superlatives we missed? No, that's it. Okay. I, I look I'll, forward to seeing you next week and I'll have another oh, beard update. Dude, I can't wait. We're beard brothers now. You know that, right? Okay brings our bond closer together. I think by the end of this thing, we're going to be best friends. Yeah. If we're not already. Yeah. I think we already are. I think we are too. I've been telling people, I just wanted, I was testing to see if you also felt the same way. I didn't want to be the first one to say it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, Join us next week for our beard update. Most important. 
and then our uh, breakdown of episode three of Survivor season 41. Thanks again, everyone. Riley, we did it.